This morning, as uh, I was coming to church about 6.30, I don't know how many of you were up that early, but uh, uh, it was kind of an interesting morning because it was so foggy out this morning at 6.30, you could not see, I mean, literally this far in front of you. And it kind of reminded me, as I was coming down 116, coming from this direction, coming by the uh, middle school, uh, you couldn't even see this, this building. It was like it wasn't even here. It reminded me of how it was uh, a few years ago that we had no presence in the community, basically. People only knew of Great Oaks because on Sunday mornings, uh, right before service when we were at the elementary school and then at the middle school, how we basically put up a sign on a fence out there uh, just on Sunday mornings, just the time that we were there. It said Great Oaks Community Church. And the rest of the time, we were first over here in a little, a little office that's right next to Corey's. It was a pizza shop, whatever, slash whatever, little drafty place. And then we moved down to where uh, Greg, Greg Edwards' office is at now, that was a little bit further down across from the uh, elementary school. And that was the only presence we had. We had a sign out there, and, you know, and, and that was it. And it was kind of like we're non-existent, almost. It was kind of like we were, it's a mystery that we ever, uh, people even knew to show up. But the reason people showed up at Great Oaks was not because of a building, not because we had you know, cool facilities and stuff, but because people were talking about what God was doing at Great Oaks. And, and that's really a reminder of what really we're all about as a church. Um, you know, I don't know how many of you um, uh, went uh, earlier, just a few weeks ago, I went to a place uh, down in Peoria for an event that I had never been to before. How many of you have been to the Taste of Peoria? Anybody here Taste of Peoria? Pretty cool, you know? Did you go to Taste of Peoria? You don't go to the Taste of Peoria unless you're hungry. The dumbest thing in the world to do is go, to, go eat out somewhere and then go to Taste of Peoria. Uh, I mean, unless you just don't want to spend money. And I don't know why you want to do that because it's all about eating. Just going over there to this place where there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And they're all, you know, there's like 40 different restaurants that are kind of having their, their stuff out there. And you buy tickets and you go in and you eat little taste of food, not a whole meal. But by the time you eat through all these different places, you've had a whole meal. And, it's, and I thought about that day. That day probably is the worst day of the, uh, of, the, of the year to have a restaurant in Peoria, unless you're at Taste of Peoria, because nobody else, everybody's at Taste of Peoria eating food, not going to your restaurant. Uh, but, you know, it's really interesting because that's kind of what the church is all about. The church is a place where people come to get a taste of something that's not just about something that'll just nourish you just for a while, but something that'll, Jesus says, that'll give you nourishment for your whole life. Matter of fact, in the, in the book of, in the Gospel of John in the New Testament, Jesus used a couple of times, more than once, he used illustrations, and he used illustrations that had to do with food and eating and different things. Matter of fact, if you remember in the New Testament, in the book of John, Gospel of John in chapter 6, uh, he, at the very beginning, he has a story, which we're all f- probably familiar with, where he feeds the people with the, what I call the Hebrew Happy Meal, the uh, f- loaves and the fishes. And uh, everybody's happy, you know, and so they're all, they're all excited about what's going on. And then a little bit later, he goes away for a period of time. And then in the middle of that, in the middle of that um, uh, chapter of John chapter 6, you have your Bibles, I'm going to turn to that this morning, uh, he says some interesting things. He says to them, he says, he said, why did you guys show up? I'm not going to read exactly, but it says, why did you guys show back? Why were you looking for me? He says, I know exactly why you were looking for me. Verse 26, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate loaves and fishes and had your fill. Basically meaning this, you had your fill, now you're hungry again, you want some more. And then he goes into the story about food and different things. And then in verse 35, Jesus says to them this strange word, which is really famous. And he says, 
Jesus replied to them, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread that will sustain, fulfill your hunger, your needs. Not kind of like the bread you eat at the Taste of Peoria or the whatever you eat there. Not when you go to a restaurant, not when you go home. It's the kind of bread that will sustain you, that will give you direction in life, that will, that will give you all that you need. He says, I and the bread of life. And I began to understand why Jesus said that and uses, he uses common stories all the time in scripture to describe what it means to live the Christian life, what it means to be the church. Because we are not simply here to go through motions. What we're here for, in a real sense, is to help people to, and we use this as our, as our, um, our mission statement is to help people take their next step towards God. And to do that, we have to give people the taste of who Jesus is. We have to introduce them to Jesus and to help them to understand what God's Word says to them so that they began the process of taking their next step. Years ago, when we first began, actually, we had another mission statement that we used more regularly. It was called helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And that is an end result. Help people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. But we decided to change that a little bit. Not that it's, that's not biblically based anyway, but to help th- this, this mission statement now help people take their next step towards God is more encompassing of everyone because everyone has a next step. Correct? Everyone. I don't care if, you've, if you're not a Christian yet, if you're a brand new Christian, if you've been a Christian for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, you still have a next step. I've said this before. The only time you do not, keep, do not grow anymore as a Christian is when they shovel dirt over you. Now, that's kind of morbid, I know, but that's just part of life. And so we have to understand everybody has a next step, and we as a church... Based upon what God's Word says, clearly our purpose is to help people take their next step, to, accept, to understand what it means to, to trust in Jesus in such a way that He becomes that which nourishes us, which sustains us. Um, there's a passage of Scripture. Let's go to the next one uh, there. In John 4.34, earlier in John where Jesus uses another analogy. He's talking to a woman at the well, and he has this, has this whole long conversation with her. And then his disciples show up and said, Hey, what have you been hanging out here for? And, and at the end of the conversation in verse 34, Jesus says, My food or my nourishment is to do what the one who sent me wants me to do and to finish his work. He's saying, you know, it's not about eating food. It's not about doing it. It's what it is. It's my th- the thing that gives me purpose in life that focuses, I want to focus my attention upon is to, is to know what God's will is and to do that will, to finish the work. And God gives us that, those same marching orders in regard to the church. That's what it means to be a church. What I'm going to talk about today and next week, tied together in a package because you don't want to miss next week because we're going to talk about the future next week, next steps. I'm not going to give any of them this week. So it's totally frustrating if you came for that. But the thing this week I want to talk about, I want to set the table for you. I want to help us to understand what God's Word says about what it means to be the kind of church He wants us to be. Not just any old church. Not just a church that goes through the motions. But a church that really means business with God and wants to follow God's plan. A church that really helps people take their next step towards God. And if we're to introduce people to who God is, we have to do it in a relevant, in a culturally significant way. Jesus 
in the way he taught, he did it in such a relevant way that people understood clearly exactly what he was saying. He used phrases like, he uses pictures, word pictures, like you know, the bread of life. He used, used all kind of analogies in Scripture to talk to people about where they are. And so we have, we're careful here at Great Oaks to try to have relevant environments where people can take next steps Towards, towards God. And so our Sunday, Sunday process here and our process as a church as a whole is to help people to understand exactly what it is that their next step will be, may be and how to take that next step with God and to challenge people to take that next step. I mean, last week we talked about, if you were here, we talked about God's grace. We talked about that the first step we have to take is to understand that there is absolutely nothing you can do to earn God's favor, that it's all because of grace, unmerited favor. And that's, that is the first step that all of us have to understand. We have to conceive that, and then we have to accept that. But once we do that, we express our love to God by doing God's will. And our life is not just to come and sit in rows. I've said before, you know, you can sit in rows all you want to, but this is just the, if this is all we ever did is come on Sunday morning, sit in rows, and be taught to, that's not the most effective way to grow. That's why we believe in small groups so much here at Great Oaks, that we need to be in circles talking to each other, and sharing what God's Word has to say for us to take our next step with Him because we have to be challenged. In a sense, people have to know you well enough to say, how's it going with you in that area of your life that you talked about? What's your next step? And so we believe that is part of the process. We'll talk about that more next week. Now this morning and next week, what I want to do is I want to use these chairs as, a, as, as our focus. I want to talk about this whole thing of what it means to be an effective church, a church that's a church that's biblically based. The Acts 2 church, as Michael Anderson said in the little video, uh, he was our building chair for that. I mean, I appreciate Michael and his team so much. It freed me up to do ministry instead of doing buildings. I mean, I could have spent my whole time for two years doing buildings. As a matter of fact, I was tempted because I was an architectural major when I was in college my first two years. And I thought, wow, what an opportunity. Build a real building. Nope. I stayed as far away from that as I possibly could because I understood that the thing that I was called to do was lead the church, build people, help people take their next step. And while that was going on, we needed to build a building, so we had a team of people to do that. But Michael talked about that one of our purposes early on, the way we saw is an Acts 2 church is a picture of a vibrant, growing church. And if you read in Acts 2, you see the kind of church that is there is the kind of church that was growing in several areas. And one of them was that they were reaching people continuously. So often I've heard people say, well, you know, a really strong church is a church is filled, just filled up with mature believers. Well, it's good to have mature believers in a church, and we want to have that. But if all you have is mature believers, you're not the kind of effective church you need to have. Matter of fact, there's a statistic that's proven, it's, that says something about the way we do church in America today. The statistic is this, that 83% of churches in America are declining. That means that they're, 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 they have less people involved. They're, really, they're, grow, they're not growing at all. They're not reaching more people. They're declining. 83% of churches in America. And of the 17% that's left that are growing, only 4% of those churches are growing by conversion growth, meaning that they're bringing in new believers. Most of it is what I'm calling sheep swapping. You know what that is? It means people transferring from here to here to here. A lot of churches grow because you know, they become the hottest item. The last thing I want at Great Oaks is us to become the hottest item in the, in the community. People come just because this is a church to be at. Conversion growth is what, it's about reaching new people for Christ. And so as we look at the church in Acts 2, it was that kind of a church. And Acts 2 was made up of three groups of people. 
And we're going to use these three chairs to talk about that this week and next week. There's three groups of people in a healthy, vibrant church, three groups of people that are kind of in thirds. It's not going to be always that rigid, but kind of the three groups. Number one, there is going to be mature believers. And maturity is not based upon just how much Scripture you know. Maturity is based on not only knowing Scripture, but applying Scripture. Mature believers, we'll talk about this next week, and next week's sermon is called table, The Table Part 2, Pushing Away from the Table. Mature believers not only know God's Word, but they push away from the table, and they go out and they do what God wants them to do. Maturity is, is based in a real sense on doing God's will. That's what Jesus said to me. He said, my food, my nourishment is to do what the Father wants me to do. Mature believers makes up a third of a growing church. Another third in a growing church is made up of new Christians, new believers, people that have recently come to Christ, that are just brand new babes in Christ. You know, when you come to Christ, it doesn't matter what age you are, if you're 50 or if you're 20 or you're 10, the day you become a Christian, you're a baby. Again. It's what it says in the New Testament. You must be born again. Not talking about a physical rebirth, but a spiritual birth. And in a real sense, what growing churches will have, churches that are really vibrant growing churches, will have a, about a third of the churches people that are new believers, that are they're just people who are just, you know, they, they really just don't know anything. But they're, but they're excited. And the reason they're here is because this group of people over here has pushed away from the t- table, has begun the process of talking to these people, building relationships with people, and are helping their friends, their co-workers, the people at school come to know Jesus Christ. That's two-thirds of the church, mature believers, baby new Christians. But a third, a third of a church, and we see this in the early church, the Acts church, it says in that church people were be add- be- being added to their numbers daily. There was a huge group in that church of I can use the term, the nice term is the term seekers. Seekers. Uh, Ed Young, who's pastor of a humongous church in uh, Texas, says he calls this group hellbounders. Now, you may not like that name too much, but, you know, the Bible only says there's two places to go. When we die, where are those places? This is a quiz. Heaven or hell, okay? There's only two places. Okay, only two places, and there's not more options than that, just two places. And if you're not bound for heaven, guess where you're bound? Okay, I know you guys cannot say that word because it's a bad word to say, but hell. Okay, but the thing is, the Bible says it, and he says it right out there. So this group of people, these people we call, we use this nice term, seekers, which is an all right term to use. We use that term all the time at Greg's. People who do not know Jesus Christ yet, who have not experienced his grace, who have not accepted his, 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 his uh, gift of God's grace. And if they were to die today, they would end up and never accepted Christ. Guess where they go? Hell, thank you. Man, you guys are just really rigid about that. I mean, I, I don't know what the deal is. It's in Scripture. There's all kind of stuff in Scripture we don't want to say. But let's just be honest about it. That's what we got to talk about today. And so in a growing church, what we need to have is have all three groups. And it's intention. Let me tell you something. It's messy when you have all three groups together. It'd be real easy just to have all mature believers because we'd all sit around and pray and everything would be great. But the thing is, is that we're supposed to be reaching out to people to help them become new believers. And we're supposed to be reaching out to people who are trying to still seek out what it means to know who Christ is. And the early church was such a church that people obviously felt compelled to go and hear the message that was a dangerous message that they didn't even believe in yet. 
And the cool thing I've experienced here at Great Oaks over the last few years is that Great Oaks has been that kind of place. And we want it to continue to be that kind of a place where people can come and hear in a safe environment, in a relevant environment, a dangerous message that may change their life. Now let me tell you this. <laughs> this is not the place I wanted to end up, truthfully, tell you the truth. When, when, I, when I started thinking a few years ago, I, I was at a conference about, gosh, 10, 11 years ago. I went to a conference in a place called Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Let me tell you, that is a place to go to a conference, especially in February. I went to a conference in Fort Lauderdale, a church called Flamingo Road Church. Flamingo Road Church, the guy that there was a pastor who had written a book called Transitioning. He's talking about transitioning from a, from a church that wasn't reaching people to a church that was reaching people for Christ and being this kind of a church. And as I was there in that thing, I had struggled and struggled and struggled. It was about two or three years before I came to Great Oaks. I've been here about seven years, a little over seven years now. And right before, and I was struggling with that. I'd been at a church that was been around for a long time. Uh, we had a we had three million dollars worth of property. We had a four story education building, seven hundred seat sanctuary. Uh, we had all this stuff, big fellowship hall. Fellowship hall was bigger in this room. You know, we had all this kind of stuff, but we weren't reaching people and baptizing new believers. We were kind of like just basically that group. And I began to get frustrated with that because that was not the picture I saw of what the church was supposed to be in Scripture. And I was trying to make some changes in that church to make it happen. And let me tell you something, folks. Changing an older church is like trying to turn an oil tanker around quickly. It doesn't happen. Because you get set in your ways and you, and the thing we have to do is you have to be pliable and you have to grow. And I began to struggle with that and I began to ask myself, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? is play the church game. And I came to the place where I said, let me tell you something. God, this is the deal. This is what I was talking to God. I was telling him what I was going to do and what he needed to do about it. You ever done that? And I'm going, God, if I have to continue to do this the rest of my life, I will go work at McDonald's. Because it is not, this is not fun what I'm doing, and I do not, did not get into ministry to go through the motions. I believe that the church is supposed to be the most exciting place in the world because we see people's lives change daily. We hear stories of life change, and we see people coming to Christ on a regular basis. It seems to be an attractive place, not a repulsive place. Because we're talking about the bread of life. We're talking about the thing that will, the one thing in the world that will change everything for everyone. And so I just went to this conference, you know, looking for something. I got there, and the first thing they did, I hate it when people do stuff like this. God does stuff like this to us. Music has always been a big part of me. And songs touch your heart, not only your, uh, your mind, but he touched your heart. And I was sitting there, and they started off singing this song. And this man, I mean, these people had a uh, awesome, this church was several thousand. They had this massively good band. And plus they were in, in Fort Lauderdale, which was a hard, largely Hispanic community and had lots and lots of Hispanic flavor to the music, which made it really lively, you know, and it was really cool. And so, uh, and so I was there. And, and, and as I was there, they started playing the first song they did at the conference after the speaker, you know, introduced us and welcomed us and said, we're going to do some worship. They did a song called, called I Will Never Be the Same. It was a song from Hill Songs. And it was a song, they had changed some of the words, but basically the song says, I will never be the same, I will never, I will, I've closed that door. And basically I started singing that song, and as I was singing, I was weeping. And I had two or three people with me that didn't know, didn't know what was going on with me in my heart, in my life, because I didn't really feel like sharing it with them. 
And they looked at me like, what is the world is wrong with you? And, I, and it was exactly what I was feeling like at that time. I, don't want to go, I didn't want to go back to Virginia. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I didn't want to go back there because I knew I'd been working at that church for 10 years as lead pastor, and I was struggling with, man, this is not what I want to do because this is not what I see church being all about. And I've been lead pastor. You know, it's really bad when you get to a place and you don't even go to your own church. But that's where I was. And at that point in time, I began to ask God, God, open a door for me, open some doors for me and my family. And we began to pray about two, like two or three years out from coming here. You know, see, you know, when my mind, and as I began to pray, I began to ask God, okay, God, what kind of place would it be? I wanted to go someplace like, like suburban Atlanta, Las Vegas, Henderson County, Nevada, places where spectacular sinning went on. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, you know, like there's lots of people and it's just evil. I mean, really, that's what my mind, that was my first thought. I was thinking about Because Henderson County at that time was the fastest growing county in the whole United States, right outside of Nevada, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. And Atlanta was growing like crazy. I could saw almost, you know, I talked to churches in Orlando, Florida. I was looking at all like, the warm places too, you know. Um, uh, uh, El Paso, Texas, wherever that is. Um, you know, all these places like that. And then all of a sudden, I get into praying. My wife was praying, and we were praying, praying. God, just open a door, open a door, open a door. And up on the radar pops this bizarre place called Germantown Hills, Illinois. And I didn't even heard of Illinois. I mean, I had heard of Illinois. But, uh, but Peoria, I mean, you know, that's something they use, you know, that people use in, in, in slogans. So, you know, if, it, it'll, if it'll fly, it'll play in Peoria, it'll play anywhere or whatever, you know. That's the only place I'd ever heard Peoria mentioned. And I'm going, you know, like, God, that's not where I want to go. I want to go to a place where there's spectacular sinning going on. Then I came here and I found out there's a lot of spectacular sinning going on here too. <laughs> it's just different. And I, but the problem is, and also the thing was, the south, you know, the south, uh, the south of the United States is the largest churched area of the nation. More people sp- strategically go to church or logistically go to church there than any place else numerically in the south. Guess what the number two place is? The Midwest. You know, I was looking for a place where there's not people going. You just need to have, you know, just everybody was sinners. They were, they were all hellbounders, you know, right here. That was my passion at that point. But as God began to work in our, our lives, we began to realize something. You know, there's lots and lots of churches around here, but there, and there's lots and lots of churches in the South. But, there's not, but 83% of those churches are declining. They're not reaching people for Christ. They hardly have, hardly anybody like this ever shows up there. And there's very few of these people. In 83% of the churches in America. And I said, God, can, you know, it's not about where churches are. It's about planning the kind of church you want us to have. Not just another church. And Great Oaks has already had about four or five years of history. Gone through some struggles. We won't go into all those. That's past. But man, I had a core group of people and, that believed, as Michael said, you know, be the Acts 2 church, doing God's purposes here, which means to reach people for Christ, to help them to grow to learn to worship, to learn to serve. It wasn't just a diet-driven church. I shared that last week. A diet-driven church. You know, so many churches are just diet-driven. You go and you get fed. You get fed, you get fed. You go to Bible studies. You go to, you go to, go to worship. And, and that's all we do. And, and that's one of the problems. I believe in Bible study, folks. Do not, not hear me wrong. I believe in Bible study. But the Bible tells us that we're not only to be, James says, to not only be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. So we want to be a diet and exercise church. 
that we not only do what God's Word, we hear God's Word and we understand God's Word, that's the diet part, but the exercise is doing God's Word. That's how God begins to teach us to grow. And so it's not enough to sell people, say people, hey, yeah, come up on Sunday mornings. And, you know, our, our last deal is this. Let me tell you this. I'll say this again. Is this. If all you ever want to do after you've accept, you know, say this Great Oaks is the place you want to be and all you ever want to do is come on Sunday mornings and sit in a row and that's all you ever plan on doing, go find someplace else. Because we, that is not the whole gospel. The gospel is God wants, to, we want you to understand that God wants you to take the next step with him and that involves doing as well. So we're going to challenge you constantly. God's word is going to challenge us constantly to be diet and exercise believers as well. Like I said, the sad statistic is that 83% of churches are declining. Only 17 are growing and only 4% of those are, are growing because of people coming to Christ. That is the, that's not the picture of what God's church should be. And we tell you, folks, you know, if, if, if it comes to that again, I've already, you know, two strikes. I, and for me, it's two strikes you're out, not three strikes. I've already said to God once, I said, God, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore, but I don't think we're going to do this anymore because this is not the way I see Great Oaks. Great Oaks, you know, and in those days that we showed on the picture when Carl was talking, I don't know if you like that, Carl, you know, up close and far away, you know, <laughs> artsy, uh, you know, doing all that. And, 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 you know, and, and, as, and as the Pat and Danny and Deshaun were talking about, you know, on there, the children's days, I thought about that. You know, we used to come to come over here to the elementary school and the middle school, and there'd be a group of 20, 30 people show up uh, two hours before worship every Sunday morning and set up and tear down stuff, two hours before, hour and a half afterwards. And we grumbled. Some people grumbled. You know, Got to tear up them chairs anymore, you know. And, uh, but, man, we tell you, it was like the pioneer days of Great Oaks. In the pioneer days, we didn't worry, you know, we, it wasn't focused on, you know, the cool building we have or, you know, how, th- it was not about us, it was about them. Because when you're a pioneer, you need them to become us. But the problem is, and why the vision needs to be cast over and over and over again, is that it's not about us. It's about being balanced and healthy about us who become mature in Christ, pushing away from the table. We'll talk about this more next week. Pushing away from the table and begin the process of examining what is it that God wants us to do in the church and in the community to reach people and give them the bread of life. And as they become new believers, it becomes about us helping us about helping these folks to grow in Christ, to examine who they are. And then these two groups began to build, continue to build friendships with people that are bound for hell. Because if we don't, we, we're not doing what God wants us to do. Let me close with a story, true story. Every time I think about church and I get distracted and I get discouraged, or it, which happens, you know, once a week, um, <laughs> just to be honest with you, you know, uh, you, you, your job's always perfect, right? You ever get discouraged in your job? Get to the office and go, oh, man, what, i got to work at CAT anymore. No, uh, anyway, you know, whatever it may be. I just hit about 50% of you. Um, you know, it happens here, too. Church is not a perfect world because I have to deal with people. If I have to deal with people, it would be a perfect world. But, you know, people are difficult. And that's, but I wouldn't have a job either if I didn't have people. So kind of like, you know, give and take. Um, when I think about that, I get discouraged, I think about two things. One is I think about the people around me 
that I've been cur- trying to encourage to connect with God over the years. Uh, a neighbor that lives close to me that I've talked to many, many times. Uh, just doesn't seem, good guy, just doesn't want to seem to have any spiritual inclination whatsoever. A person that I meet, on, see almost every, or several times a week at a grocery store here locally that I've talked to constantly. And I say, hey, come to Great Oaks. We, you know, it's a really cool place. You'll, you'll like it. I've been tried that church thing. I'm not going there. They haven't been to Great Oaks, but they tried the church thing. But more than that, I think about a person whose name was Charles. J-A-R-L-E-S. I don't know how. That was the most unusual name. A guy I met many, many, many years ago in North Carolina. When Vicky and I first got married, we lived in, a, in the town of, uh, we lived actually on, on the outskirts of, of uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And I was going to Southeastern Seminary uh, in uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina. We lived in a trailer. Uh, you know, I don't have me been there, done that. But that was our first home. We thought it was cool, even with all the mice. And, uh, and, and we did that. And, and, and I worked with a guy doing some construction stuff there to kind of, you know, when you're in school, you work whatever you need to work to do whatever you need to do. Except this guy named Charles was, he was doing construction, but he was about 30 years old at the time. He was a highly educated guy. He had already had a master's degree from North Carolina State. And I forgot it was in some bizarre field like anthropology or something. But the thing about it is I worked side by side with Gerald's day after day after day and, and talked to him. I began to ask him questions, spiritual questions about, you know, about what, how do you, about God and about his relationship with God. And, and of course, he always went back to church. And his, his take on it was this. He said, I tried the church thing when I was younger. It's irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. And, and you know, he said, I've been there, done that. He said, I have no interest in that. Charles, at that time, was sitting in this chair because as educated as he was, as smart as the guy was, as unfocused as he was in his life, he was living with another girl at a time. He, you know, he was, he was, he was a, he not only, he was not just a hellbounder, he was a cocaine snorting, you know, skirt chasing, if you get the picture, kind of guy. But he's the kind of guy that I know more than anything. I keep thinking of Charles because I always wonder what happened to Charles. I really don't know. Lost contact with him. But I always wonder if, if Charles showed up in Germantown Hills. And, and God began to break some barriers in his life. He began to ask some questions. Would he feel welcome at Great Oaks? Would this be the kind of church that he could walk into that people would greet him in spite of who he was? Like Jesus did, the woman at the well, the other places along the way, except people where they were, but always point them to where they need to go. Would this be a place where that kind of person would feel welcome to come to explore a dangerous message that may change his life? And my life goal, my life purpose, is to help Great Oaks be that kind of church. Because I don't know. Some of you may know people that sit in this chair. Maybe family members. Maybe neighbors. People you you work with. People you go to school with. And I never want to get to the point that where we just get so comfortable being who we are 
that our heart is not broken and we're constantly thinking about these people. Because, see, the church that God wants us to be, the Acts 2 church, the church that's focused on all five purposes, evangelism, worship, and I'll just go through all the rest of them next week, is the church that these people are welcome in. Because, see, it's, it's all right to be, everybody has a next step. None of us are perfect. And we need to be the kind of church that will open our arms to the people who need Christ, and everybody needs Christ, regardless of where they are. As we close this morning, I'd ask the band to sing, to do a song. Uh, we're just going to listen. He's going to stay seated for a while. He's going to listen to the words. Uh, it's a song that's very meaningful to me. I listened to it a while back, and it came to remind We're going to sing it this week and next week as our closing song. It's kind of a thematic song. It's called The Stand. It's by Hillsongs United. And, and it's, it talks about, you know, about who we are to be and, and us making a commitment to God. And I hope this will not only be the song we sing that, but we'll sing this every day. And we'll not only sing the song every day, but as we hear the words, as we say the words, that it'll become that which we use as almost a prayer to God. So as we close this morning, just remain seated. The band's going to start playing this song. And when you get to the appropriate place, Nate will tell you to stand up and, and join in the song. But just kind of listen to the words, to what it has to say. And then come back next week. Not only come back yourself, but bring somebody that sits in this chair. I hope this week that you're burdened so much like I am. that you, I, I, I'm, I'm trying my best to remember what Gerald's last name was. Because with Google, I could probably find him somewhere and reconnect with him. But I can't remember his last name. It's really sad after, you know, it's been a long time, 30 years ago. (laughs) But you may know somebody, you know their name. They may be living real close to you that needs to know who Christ is. And Great Oaks is a place that they're welcome to come and explore the message of Jesus Christ. Listen to this song. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.